I want to invite your attention to the Gospel of John. Would you look there, please? And while you're turning there, we're going to have a word of prayer and open up our time here. We do want to remember Brother Johnny Jones and his family. His mom went home to be with the Lord this morning. And it's good to see him in the service today. Would you be in much prayer for the family? And I know they'd appreciate that. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, hasn't it? Amen? Appreciate Pastor T and all that he does around here. What a blessing. I'm looking forward to something being cooked on that egg, too. i got to say, that's, um, we're excited about that. But let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would be attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that we cannot manufacture his power. We're not even trying to. So God, we pray that you'll just do a work among us and in us, Lord, that you might do a work through us. We ask, Lord, your special blessings on this great church, on the people that are gathered here today. Lord, I just believe that you have something for each of us. Lord, I know that your Holy Spirit can be very personal and extremely powerful. And we pray for his work to be done. Guide us and teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we're moving through our series, if you're, if you're a guest here today, and I met several today for the first time, we're so honored that you're here. As we're moving through this series, uh, we are on the ninth subject. It's the tenth lesson because we spent two weeks on the adversary. But today we're going to talk about our allegiance. Our allegiance. I don't think it comes as any surprise to anybody if I were to say to you that this thing of commitment and loyalty seems to be fading from our culture. It seems to be decreasing instead of increasing. And in many cases, even in our churches, we find this to be the case. So the question before us today is, what does God have to say to us about this thing, about uh, our allegiance, our commitment? Is it necessary if we're going to look at being more than conquerors? I mean, the title of our series is More Than Conquerors. Is commitment necessary? Let me just say this to you. It's essential. Without commitment, you'll never live up to the title of being more than a conqueror. Never. You can forget it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If we don't address this issue and ask the Lord for what it is He has for us, it's not going to happen. So our goal is, our hope is, that we will live up to that name. That we were called in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. That... We were called more than conquerors through him that loved us. The problem is, and how this series came about was, that it seems as though we live our lives where we would say that we're more than conquerors, but we don't live as though we're more than conquerors. There are all kinds of difficulties that we face that we ought to be conquering. We've already been given the victory over, and we don't live that way. And so we've been talking about various things that we need to uh, take a look at, focus on, and that brings us to this subject today concerning allegiance. The story is told of a pig and a chicken who were walking alongside a church that was having this big charity gala event. And the pig looked over at the chicken and said, don't you think we ought to go over and make some kind of contribution? And the chicken said, yeah. He said, I think we should do that. I think let's go over there and, and let's take him some eggs and ham and the pig said well now hold on a minute eggs and ham he said for you that's a contribution for me that's a total commitment <laughs> now let me just ask you this question are you living with contribution in mind or total commitment in mind 
Now let me put it in perspective for you. Would you say that Jesus contributed to your salvation or would you say he made a total commitment? The Bible has a lot to say about this thing of commitment. I, I've chosen this text. The Lord laid several things on my heart. But John chapter 6, if you'll look there with me, the Gospel of John, the 6th chapter, and we're going to begin in verse 66. I debated to start somewhere else because it appears as though it's John 6, 6, 6, and I didn't want to <laughs> start off the message that way, but it is what it is. We're starting in verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Did you catch that? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Do you want to leave? You want to leave following me, Jesus said. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Most of you are no doubt familiar with uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read that text to you in a moment, but before I do, I came across a quote by Chuck Swindoll. He said, more than once, Jesus deliberately addressed certain issues that quickly diminished the number of onlookers. It was commitment that thinned the ranks. Can I tell you something, whether you're a teenager or whether you're an adult, uh, you've been uh, hanging out with Christ for a very long time. I'm going to tell you this, what makes the difference in the followers of Jesus is this thing called commitment. Whether you're still going to be following Jesus down the road, it has to do with this thing of commitment. You're going to begin to see that the ranks sometimes thin when commitment is called for. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1, we really shouldn't be surprised by all this. The scripture reads, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, heady, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, from such people turn away. Verse 4 uses the word traitor. Traitor. We're talking about a person who cannot commit, a person who does not commit, a person who will not commit. No loyalty, no allegiance. The word allegiance, if you want to fill in the, uh, the definition on your study sheet, literally means devotion or loyalty to a person, group, or cause. Devotion or loyalty to a person, group, or cause. Now let me ask you this question, and don't answer it out loud, but think about it. Have you observed a decline in commitment in the culture we live in? A Deloitte study was done that showed, and I was intrigued by this, as the economy gets a little bit better, there are more and more testing the job market. Today's survey shows this, 65% of current employees are testing the job market. That means 65% of the people who are currently employed are looking for something better. Statistics say that if you are in your 20s, you are noted as having changed your job or going to change your job 
every two years. Every two years. A lot of it has to do with whether or not you feel like the company is doing for you what the company should do for you. And, and there's a lot of concern about employee loyalty. There have been a lot of studies done on it. And uh, how about marriage? What about this thing? We've talked about employment. What about marriage? Statistics today show 41% of marriages will end in divorce. More than four out of ten. You say, well, that doesn't sound too bad, Pastor. I heard it was one out of two some time ago. Well, uh, hang on for a moment because the only reason why it appears that it's decreasing is because less people are getting married. They don't see anything wrong with just living together. And so now, if you were to add that in and factor that in, there are many, many more relationships where there is no commitment. No commitment. I don't know how many of you are NBA fans. Can I get a show of hands? Anybody here NBA fans? Well, there's three of you. That's good. All right. Obviously, it's not as popular as the NFL, is it, in our church? Some of you have probably been witnessing one of the most lopsided playoffs of all time. And some of you may be aware that right now in the NBA, they're trying to scramble to find out how to correct something that's starting to occur in the NBA. And it's interesting because it speaks to the culture. Here's what's happening. Athletes are getting together and they're saying, I'm willing to take a few million less so I can play ball with this person over here so that we can form a super team and dominate that particular league. And that way I have on my resume a championship ring. Now, I want you to listen to what I just said. A few years ago, now some of you are older than I am, so what I'm about to say, you'll, you'll uh, understand and appreciate. But uh, 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 back in the day, you would have never thought that Larry Bird would have been talking about joining forces with Magic Johnson. It just wouldn't have happened. That's ridiculous. Dan Marino, his entire career in the NFL, no Super Bowl ring. But Dan wouldn't have left and gone and joined as a backup to the Pittsburgh Steelers or somewhere. He wouldn't have done it. You said, what are you talking about? There used to be a sense of this is the city or this is the team. This is who is taking care of me and I'm going to take care of them. And we're going to do the best we can do. We're seeing it in every area of our lives today where there's less and less need to do anything. Listen, there is commitment but it's for self. There is loyalty, but it's to self. What's in it for me? Someone has said that there is no I in team. And that may be true, but if you do a little bit of maneuvering, you can get me in there. <laughs> Amen? You can get a me out of it. And that's what people are doing. It happens throughout more and more of a problem when it comes to this thing of being committed. What about church? Do we need to talk about commitment in church that is straying? Or maybe this is not the time nor place for that. Church. Relationship with the Lord. What's happened to our commitment? Luke chapter 17. The Bible records an interesting story. Most of you are familiar with it. Let me take a moment and read to you some of it. Uh, beginning in uh, verse number 12 of Luke 17. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned 
and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan so Jesus answered and said were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner and he said to them arise go your way your faith has made you well now I know that's an old story and that's an old text and many many preachers have preached messages entitled where are the nine but I'm asking you today is it not true that when it comes to commitment to the Lord that we forget sometimes what the Lord has done for us there were ten healed so where are the nine what happened what happened you say, well, if things had been different, if things had changed, then maybe something uh, would, have, would, have, uh, uh, would have changed about their own commitment. And I came across a saying, and some of you have heard it before, you can be committed to church and not be committed to Christ, but you cannot be committed to Christ and not be committed to church. I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't pay a lot of attention in high school. I, I, I got a confession to make. Is that okay? I, I've told you this before, it's a history class, so I'm intrigued sometimes when I read stuff and every now and then somebody will walk up to me when I share something that just seemed like such a revelation to me and they say, well, man, I learned that in eighth grade. What's the problem with you? I don't know where I was in eighth grade, but it wasn't, it wasn't in history class, I don't think. But I read about the Spanish con conquistador, Hernando Cortez, who... Um, it's an interesting story, and again, some of you may have heard it. He, uh, he landed in Mexico on the shores of the Yucatan. I'm going to read this uh, to you in 1519. He arrived there with one objective in mind, and that was to take the treasure that the Aztecs had hoarded. He was committed to his mission. He convinced some 500 soldiers and 100 sailors to sail with him from Spain to Mexico. He commanded 11 ships. When he arrived, the story is, is told that they, they, everybody came off of the ships and he gathered them together for one more pep talk before going against the Aztecs. This, this uh, empire that had, had operated in that area for some six centuries, we are told. And, and so before he goes to battle with them, he gives this command. Now listen. You, you got to put yourself in their boots for a minute, okay? He gives this command. Burn the ships. That's what he told them. Well, they were a little bit confused. And the story says that he then added to this, uh, if we're going home, we're going home in their ships. Now the story is told that that statement created a whole new level of commitment among his soldiers. Would you agree? By the way, they did defeat the Aztecs. You say, what are you getting at? I'm saying that for some of us, we can't really process the difference between commitment and just contribution. There's a new level of commitment that is needed in the world that we live in. Now you might realize this, I, I found it intriguing. I, I, I love to uh, study uh, psychology and sociology and some of the ways society works and some of what I came across, there's been a lot of studies that have been done to help companies with this thing of loyalty. Because right now it's a big deal. 
you know, people are closing up shops. They're closing up stores because there's no customer loyalty. I was talking with somebody in our church earlier this week and they were sharing some things with me about the products that they like to buy and why they like to buy them. And, and anymore, there's a lot of things going on. People are coming away from the store and they're buying stuff online. And, and so stores now uh, don't know how to respond. If they, don't get on, if they don't get on board as far as a website is concerned, many of them are going to go out of business. And we're seeing a, a huge transition that takes place in our society. So I, I've examined some of these studies. I've read some scholarly papers on it. And I've concluded that there are five phases to what we're going to call a commitment process. Five phases to a commitment process. Now these are true, I believe this, I think they're true in the world concerning a company and employees, uh, whether you're selling a product, but they're also true concerning our spirituality and our commitment to the Lord. I think the same phases exist. And so what I'd like to do in the next few minutes is give you those five phases and then talk about how they parallel in our world that you and I are in right now, which of course is the church and concerning the Lord. So number one, the first phase, we're going to call the exploration phase. Now this is that point when you say, I have a need and I'm looking for something to fill that need. Every commitment begins with an exploration. If you're committed in your marriage, it began with an exploration. You began to explore to find out who it was you were going to date, whether or not they could meet your needs, whether or not this was the person you were going to, uh, to spend the rest of your life with. You might be in that exploration phase right now. You might be single and you might be looking and, uh, and, and you're exploring. Well, the same thing is true in other areas of our life, every field. It's true about church. There are some of you right now here today and you're doing this. You are exploring. You're here to find out whether or not this church can meet your needs. Whether or not the, the pastor's jokes are really as stupid as everybody's been telling you they are. And were it not for the fantastic music, you probably wouldn't come back. And so the point, the point is simple. And the point is that exploration is the first phase. Commitment doesn't happen without it starting there. You're going to explore. You're going to explore. You go to a restaurant. By the way, I hate going to a new restaurant. We have anybody here like that? I just do. I don't particularly like it, man. Because I, 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 I like certain foods. They're pretty good. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Amen? But you have to explore. I know that. But the explore is, uh, the exploring phase is all about meeting our needs. Now here's an important thing. Sometimes we don't know what our needs are. And this is why people do something called browsing. That's why you go to the store. You used to go to the mall. Now you go to the town center. If you go to the town center, you better be prepared to walk. <laughs> and I mean a lot. So uh, you say, what are you getting at? You're exploring. I'm not real sure what I want, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking. I, I, for, for years, uh, I tried to be that good husband, go to the store and buy my wife stuff. And, and inevitably, the little sales ladies in those stores, they look at me and they see the panic on my face. And they will say things to me like, sir, can we help you find what you're looking for? And I just look at them and say, can you tell me what I'm looking for? Because I don't know. I'm walking up and down these aisles and I'm thinking it's going to jump out and say, that's my wife right there. Let's do that. I don't know. Can you make some suggestions, please? They always take you to the most expensive stuff. 
You notice that? Some of you, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, all right. The expiration. Psalm 37, verse number 3 reads, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, there are a lot of people who believe that that verse is actually saying this. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he actually changes the desire of your heart. That when it says he gives you the desires of your heart, it doesn't always mean he gives you the thing that you want. He changes your want. The expiration phase. I think that with this comes the complication of all that is available. Commitment is complicated by all that is available. When you're in the expiration phase and you go to one church and you look around and you think, well, that's pretty good. So you go to another one and you check it out and then there's so many available to you, you forgot what the other one was like. You go one place and try another place and go another place. You, you go online or you go to one store and you forget. You, you can't remember. There's so many things, so many options that are there. And the one thing that we tend to do is look for us. What is it that meets my needs? It might be the times of the service. It might be the, the methods of, of the church, the style of the service. It could be many, many things. But we look for certain things. And it's the exploration phase. Number two is the emotional phase. And here we begin to ask the question, is there any connection in this? How does this make me feel? Sometimes in church we have that, but it, it's, it's in every, every level of commitment. Every commitment process has this. Once you explore and you find something, now it becomes a matter of before I commit to this, before this is my regular thing, before I decide to ask this person to marry me or before I decide to do whatever, is there an emotional connection that's being made here? When you come to church, Comments can be made and said, just like when you go to a restaurant for that matter. You get back in the car and, and you ask questions. Maybe the question sounds something like this. Uh, did I get anything out of that today? What exactly was in that for me today? I don't know about you, but I get a little irritated when I go to a restaurant. I can name a couple, but they got that little thing there that you can pay, you know, to make it easy. And it, they always give you the survey. I I'm sorry, I just get a little aggravated about the survey thing. And if you happen to work for a survey company, I'm sorry. I, I, but I get aggravated about the survey thing. You call somebody, would you like to answer a survey at the end of this call? I'm always scared. <laughs> I'm just bearing my heart now. I'm scared. Because I'm afraid if I say no, they're going to put me in that line. You have to wait three hours on the line. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I say yes, maybe they're going to put me on the fast track. I don't know. I just know that at that moment I panic. I'm not sure what to do. You, you do the little kiosk thing at your table, you pay for your meal, and it starts asking you questions. And one of the questions it asks you, how likely would you be to recommend this place to your friends? How many of you have seen that? And I'd love, the choice that I want to give is not on there. I, I wish they had a little write-in. I would recommend it more if you quit doing the surveys. That's what I'd tell them. I mean, I'm sorry. I, you need to pray for your preacher. 
But it's all about what, what did you get out of it? What did you get? You get back in the car and you say, what was in that for me? How did it fit? What did I go? What, was there a connection? An emotional connection. That's important for, for commitment. Luke 24 verse 32 reads, And they said to one another, did, our heart burn, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? These are, these are two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus and they're walking with Jesus. And the Bible says they looked at each other after they realized what had happened, that they had been with Jesus. And they said, didn't something happen inside us when he talked to us about the scripture? There was something going on. Something happened. There's an emotional connection. There's a third phase in the process, and that's the energy phase. The energy phase. Before you will commit, after you've done your exploring, and after you've made an emotional connection, comes this thought. The energy phase. Did this add anything to me? Did it recharge me? Did it fuel me? Has it benefited me? Has it added to my strength? Have I gained anything from this? That is the level that we're talking about right now. You move into this, out of the exploration, out of the emotional, into the energy phase. Simon Peter answered the question that the Lord had, will you also go away? And in the text that we read, verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Here's what he's saying. Where, where could we go to get anything better than this? The energy phase. Where can I go that I would be better fed? Where could I go that, that I, would, I would feel more fulfilled? What could I do that could be better than this? And so this phase is very important. Psalm 107, verse number 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Now I will say this. It is possible to sit in a church service and not be filled. Sometimes it's because other people are aggravating us when we're trying to listen. That ever happened to you? People around you busy talking, playing with their phone, doing whatever. And you're trying to tune in to what God has for you. They're not getting it and, and they're not letting you get it. And that sometimes happens, doesn't it? I'm just saying, hypothetically. <laughs> huh? It could even be going on today. Who knows? It could, it could happen. Amen? <laughs> Isaiah 40 and verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. You mean to tell me this phase, this phase is a very important phase. Ha, ha, am I getting anything out of this? Am I growing in this? It, 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 have I benefited as a result of this? John 4 and verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of the water, this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. This is an important phase. 
when you're looking to become committed, whether it's to a store, whether it's to a restaurant, whether it's to Christ, whether it's in a relationship, there is something there that says, am I being added to as a result of this? Is it filling my tank? Is it doing anything for me? Am I getting anything out of this? And that becomes important to us. It's an important part of it. The fourth phase, we're going to call the expectation phase. Now this is very important. And I hope you'll listen carefully to this because right about now, in this whole phase determines whether commitment is about to take place or if you're going to start the exploration phase again. So listen carefully. It's the expectation phase. Here's where we ask this question. Have my expectations been met? Now I want you to think about this for just a minute. Because... This, this becomes very important lest we start feeling like, wait a minute, uh, when it comes to church, my what are your expectations? That you are able to get everything taken care of that you possibly need, that people can somehow read minds and know that you went to the hospital, although you didn't tell anybody you were there, or, or you don't join any kind of small group, so somebody misses the fact that you were not in your seat for four weeks, but you've not done anything to make friends with anybody around you. I'm just saying, <laughs> what are your expectations? Because what happens is this, we don't get our expectations met, and there is no commitment, we begin to look, we begin to explore again. That's what we do in this whole thing, this whole phase. The expectations. Psalm 34, verse number 8 reads, O taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who trusts in him. So you taste of the Lord and your expectation is, wow, wait a minute, man, I, I, I've got it. I'm, I'm, that is what I need. That's what I've got to have. I've I got to have more of him and more of his word. And so your expectations are there. We forget sometimes. The writer of the song, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, the fourth verse of that song reads this way, O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Last of all, there is an extension phase. And this is also very important, the extension phase. This is where commitment actually begins, right here. Everything else leads up to it. We've talked about, and I'll rehash it a little bit with you. That is the exploration phase. That's where it starts. We begin to find something, look for something that meets our need, whatever that need is. The emotional phase, has there been a connection? Have I made an emotional connection? The energy phase, has it added anything to me? Does it fuel my tank? Do I get anything out of this? The expectation phase, how's it going so far? Well, it's going good or it's not going so good. We begin to look. What are we looking for? Are we looking for that relationship with the Lord and a deepening in that relationship? Well, then it comes down to this extension phase. In the extension phase, now listen carefully to this, healthy relationships are formed within. Healthy relationships are formed within. And there is a creation of a familiarity 
and this takes place, you begin to realize in the extension phase that there's more to it than just about us. Now, now this, is, this is important. This past week I was talking to somebody, as I mentioned earlier to you, and they were telling me why they like to buy a certain product. And, and they had, not only was it a good product, they enjoyed the way that it tasted, but it came in biodegradable containers. Now that was very important to this person, as it may be to you. Maybe you think in terms of, of uh, uh, the, the ecosystem and you think, you know, I like to do this. I like to buy this because it's, it's eco-friendly. Like, what you're saying is this. I like to commit to stuff that is, it reaches farther than just me. Are you following me? Without the relationships and the familiarity, there's a problem in a company with employees, why do employees, why do uh, executives try to get the employees to get to know each other better and try to uh, do things together that are more team concept? Why do they do this? Because it builds the extension phase. It builds familiarity and it builds friendships. And people, hear me now, are less likely to leave an organization if they have friends there. Now let me take a moment and talk about church. Because church is taking a direction, there's a turn that's taking place in our culture concerning church. More and more people now come into church with a spirit of, I want to be a spectator. I don't want to get to know anybody. I just want to come in, get what it is that I want, and then leave. Get what it is that I need, and then leave. And, and, and so we're choosing to do that. And let me explain to you what happens. You go through the exploration phase. What is it that I need? You make an emotional connection. I like that. There's a bit of an energy that tends to take place. Expectations are met uh, somewhat. But then when they're not met, we, we start all over again. The exploration. Because there's no extension. There's no extension into the families around you. There's no extension into the world. You don't understand how a church such as ours reaches out into the rest of the world through partnering with missionaries like the Watkins and like many others that are on our wall of faith out here. We don't understand that it's a worldwide ministry, that it's a community-oriented ministry, that, that we're out to reach families all around us as well as all around the world. We don't contemplate that. We just look at what is in it for us. And so here's what happens. A great majority of people today go in and, and, and they, they want to remain somewhat superficial. And, and then they, they back out and they look for somewhere else. And so they've gone to many different churches in the past couple of years. And they can't seem to really commit anywhere. And then when they do commit... They don't really stay very long because something else comes up and they're on their way there. So why do churches talk about things like small groups? And why do churches like this one have like community points? And why do we try to stress the need for an adult Bible fellowship class? I'll tell you why. Because in the process, in the commitment process, the key portion of this is there's no commitment made unless there's an extension. Unless you extend into the rest of the body and the body is realized uh, by you. Paul talked about this. And let me use the illustration he used. First Corinthians 12 verse number 14 for in fact the body is not one member but many 
If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set every member or set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So let, let's put it in perspective this way. Let's take your physical body because that's what Paul was talking about. Let's take your physical body and liken it to this whole process that we're, that we're describing. This, these phases. And, and let's say that, that the hand decides this morning when you got up that the hand decided that, that he wasn't getting much out of this relationship. And it just wasn't going to work anymore there. It was going to look for another body. It, it just feels like you keep telling it to do things it don't want to do. It doesn't want to lift that coffee cup. It doesn't want to do that work in the yard. It doesn't want to. And so the hand decides it's going to do its own thing. If it's not connected, it's going to die. But it doesn't know that. So let's take a tree. And let's take the concept this way. You got a tree and it's got a limb sticking out and you cut off that limb because you don't like what it's blocking. So you cut it off. That limb's going to die when it's isolated. It can't survive. There's so many illustrations to prove this point. And the point is this. Paul said, listen, the church is like a body and each one of us are members within that body. If we don't learn that we are an extension of Christ... There will be no level of commitment and without a level of commitment, we cannot do the work God has called us to do. Say, so, well, I'm like the chicken, I'll make a contribution, but the commitment is a little much. Tremendous things happen when commitment takes place. Tremendous things. Charles Spurgeon wrote these words. Let me read them to you. You never hear Jesus say in Pilate's judgment hall one word that would let you imagine that he was sorry, that he had undertaken so costly a sacrifice for us. When his hands are pierced, when he is parched with fever, his tongue dried up like a shard of pottery, when his whole body is dissolved into the dust of death, you never hear a groan or a shriek that looks like Jesus is going back on his commitment. There are two questions we need to ask ourselves in closing this sermon out in relation to commitment. Number one is, am I fostering relationships within? And number two, am I furthering a worthy cause? Am I fostering relationships? Have I extended myself out? There's a level of risk involved in that. I know that. Are we, are we serving as part of the body or are we just doing our own thing? Are we furthering the cause of Christ? So what of commitment? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we ask you to bless us now. Lord, it's not, by, not been my intention to be gruff at all or, or rude. I, I apologize to you, Lord, if I've seemed that way. So many times, God, in the world that we live, we just seemingly 
gravitate toward uh, coldness when there needs to be a warmth. A lack of commitment where there needs to be a commitment. A misunderstanding of the role that we play in your big picture of things. Lord, I pray that we'd take the proper steps, that we would learn and realize that the steps we've talked about today are true, whether we're talking about the corporate world or whether we're talking about the body of Christ. We all go through those phases. Help us to be tied into what you're doing. Help us to be connected to who you are. Lord, it is only then that we can enjoy the strength the awesomeness of being in communion with you.